Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the expository story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. Well, Joshua and the Israelites, people were scared of them because people began to hear of what was happening and how their God, Yahweh, was defeating every one of the Canaanite gods. And it says in Joshua chapter 9 that when the tribes that were in the land heard about all the exploits of Joshua and the Israeli army, and when they heard about how their God, Yahweh, had given them this beautiful battle plan to ambush the king of Ai and to totally wipe them out, And when they heard about how their God Yahweh had made all the walls around Jericho tumble down just by walking around it and how the Israelite army had success after success under this commander named Joshua, man, people were afraid. They didn't know what to do with themselves. And so it says in Joshua chapter 9 that a whole bunch of the kings of the Hivites and the Perizzites and the Amorites and the Jebusites and the Canaanites, they all got together, all the different ites, and they rallied together and they said, you know what, hey, let's stop fighting each other for once and let's band together so we can defeat Joshua and their God Yahweh. Yes, we can do it. And you know, it'll be like some big super team and our gods will mash up and we'll be able to defeat this Yahweh and the people of Israel. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Woohoo. We'll do it. And so we are going to hear of a battle to come later on. But this week's story It's about a little town, a little town in one of those tribes called the Hivites. Well, the king of the Hivites said, I'm going to get together with the king of the Canaanites and the king of the Amorites and the Jebusites, and we're going to fight Joshua and Yahweh. And even though it seems scary as all get out, we're going to do it. Well, one of the inhabitants of the town of the Hivites was a little town called Gibeon. And it says the people who lived in that town were called the Gibeonites in Joshua chapter 9. And the Gibeonites, they were like, I don't care what my king wants to do. When they heard about what Joshua did and how Yahweh worked on his behalf and how the walls came tumbling down and Ai was defeated and crossing the Jordan River miraculously, when the Gibeonites heard that, no matter how loyal they were to their country and their tribe called the Hivites, They were more loyal to their little town. And their little town was about five to six miles away from the city of Gilgal, where Israel was camped at this point. And they thought, you know what? They're just going to come straight through and destroy us. Because remember, the Israelites, when they came up to a city, God told them to put 
all the people to complete destruction. And they'd heard those stories and they'd heard what was happening. They're like, our king is nuts. The king of the Hivites, there's no way we're going to defeat Israel. So it says the men and women of Gibeon, the Gibeonites, got together and they thought, what can we do to stop Israel? What, what can we do to trick them? And I don't know if they had a town council meeting and they sat down by the fire and they all started to share ideas. What can we do? I don't know. Should we go just run away? Yeah, no, we can't run away. They'll, they'll find us and destroy us. We got to trick them. We got to get them to not kill us us. And then maybe somebody stood up and goes, Hey, I heard through a friend's uncle's brother's mother, who has a friend in the Israeli tribe. I've heard that they've been told by their God, Yahweh, that they have to wipe out all the inhabitants of the land of Canaan. That's us, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's why we're here. Dummy. I know. I know. But listen, that same friend told me he heard that the Jewish people will not kill you if you live outside of Canaan land. If you're not an inhabitant of the land, I heard that they're allowed to make a covenant with you. The men looked at each other and the women looked at each other and the women looked at the men and the men looked at the children. And the children looked at the women. They all went, bing, a light bulb went off collectively in their heads. They said, yes, if we could somehow make them think that we're not inhabitants of this land, if we can make them think that we're in fact from uh, another land, a galaxy far, far away. What? What galaxy? What are you talking? I'm sorry. Sorry. That was too far. We're, we're, we're from a land far, far away. If we can make them think that. Now, remember, Gibeon is only five to six miles away from Gilgal. And they are inhabitants of the land. So how are we going to make them think that we are actually outside the land and we've traveled a long way and we're not members of the land and please make a covenant with us? How are we going to make them think that? And I can imagine one of the Gibeons stands up and takes off his shoe and says, look at that. See that big hole in the base of my shoe? What does that tell you? They all look at that shoe and they say, well, you know what? That tells me you've worn that a long time. Right. It's a proof that, 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 that I have walked many, many miles in these shoes. Right, right, yeah, yeah. Listen, says this guy, I've got more shoes like this. In fact, I've got a whole bunch of clothes given to me by my brother, my wonderful brother, who thinks I want his old clothes, but they're ratty and they're worn out. And I'm telling you, let's send a party of our men to go over and to set up a covenant with the Israelis and, and they'll negotiate it. But let's make them wear worn out clothes and worn out shoes that have to be patched. And let's make the Israeli people think that these people have walked hundreds of miles from another land. Oh, I like this idea. And then maybe somebody else stood up and says, hey, hey, 
I've got some moldy bread. You know, my wife likes to make croutons out of it, but but let's keep it. And and when they get there, we'll, we'll pull out some bread to eat in front of them and it'll be dry and nasty. And again, it'll look like we've had this bread for months. And again, it'll look like we've come from a land far, far away. Yes, I like this idea. And somebody else stood up and says, look at this nasty water bottle. Remember, I keep whining this, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it burst. I'm telling you, if we keep our drinks in this and and, and our wine skin here is full of holes and maybe even a little ripped here and there, it'll again, it'll look like we've come from a land far, far away. I like this idea. And so who wants to go? All right. Five, six men, they stand up. And they said, all right, let's make you look ratty because you have got to deceive the Israelites. You better be good at lying. So they've huddled together and they made a story. And so they sent these men from the city of Gibeon, it says in Joshua chapter 9, and they sent them to the city of Gilgal where the Israelis were camped at this time. And they send them there, it says in Joshua chapter 9. And when they showed up, they acted all exhausted. Oh, we have traveled so far, so far. Look at my elbow patches. They're worn out. You can see my elbow. Look at this hole in my shoe. And, and you know, maybe one of them got home oh, so tired and he took a drink. And instead of going down his throat, I came out the holes in the side of the wine. Oh, my goodness. I've had this wine skin so long that I have traveled so far that there's so many holes Oy vey, what's happening? You know, and then and then and then maybe somebody pulled out a bread and he opened a bag and he reached in to take out a nice piece of bread and he just crumbles it in his hand. Oh no, he says, Look, this bread, it's so old. We've traveled so far, it's just crumbled right here, and it's just dry and crumbly. We have come so far. All our provisions are bad. All our drink is bad. And our shoes are worn out. So please, these men say to the people of Israel, to the leaders in particular, it's clearly obvious that we have come from a distant country. So please now make a covenant with us. And it says that when these Gibeonites showed up, they basically lied. And they did their best to lie to the Jewish people that they weren't of the land. They weren't inhabitants of the land. They were not the Gibeonites five to six miles away. No, they had come, it says there in Joshua chapter 9, from a distant country. So please make a covenant with us. But the Israelites... They were a little suspicious. And in fact, it says that Joshua, their leader himself, said to them, Who are you? And and where do you come from again? And it says the Gibeonites said, From a very distant country your servants have come. But it says that the Israelites were thinking, Perhaps you live among us. 
perhaps you're one of the Canaanite tribes that were wiping out. And according to our God, we are not allowed to make a covenant with you. How do we know you're not lying? I think there was something about them that made him suspicious. Well, I think whoever was the head of the party from the city of Gibeon, he dug down deep and he lied good. Because in verse 9, he says, well, we're not from around here. No, we've come from a very distant country. And you know why we came? Because the name of the Lord, your God. I think Joshua, that immediately appealed to him. Yeah, my God is great. You know, and the Gibeonites were trying to appeal to their senses. And, and it says, for we have heard of all the things that your God did in Egypt. God split the Red Sea so that the people of Israel could walk through on dry land. And they go on to say, we, we've heard of what you did to the king of Og and the king of Sihon and Heshbon and what, what you did to Og. I mean, Oh, I mean, these remember giant kings, men over six, seven, eight, maybe 13 feet high, frightening, powerful leaders that Yahweh totally wiped out. And you know what? We've heard about this amazing God that you serve. And it says that. Verse 11, our elders and all the inhabitants of our country, notice they never say what the name of the country is. They never say, oh, from Egypt or, or, or from some country in Africa or maybe from Russia. They never say that. They just say, all the rulers of our country said to us, take provisions in your hand and go meet them and say, because of your powerful God, listen, we have got to make a covenant with you. And it says in verse 12 that the men of Gibeon point at their shoes and they pull out moldy bread and they say it was still warm when we took it from our houses. But now we've come so long on this journey because we come from a land so distant that it's just all crumbly and nasty now. And these wineskins were new and filled with wonderful drink, but now they got holes in them. Why? Because we've come from a very distant country. And so it says that the men of Israel, they looked at them, they looked at their stuff. And it says in verse 15 that Joshua made peace with them. And it says in verse 15 that Joshua not only made peace with them, he made a covenant with them to let them live and they swore that they would not kill anybody of this country. And I'm sure they hugged it out. They said, thank you so much. And I don't know if they ever named the country. And maybe maybe Joshua's like, what was the name of that country? And I don't know. But, hey, I'm so glad we were able to help. Those guys seemed really nice, didn't they? Oh, yeah. They were such a nice. And I, look how they honored our God. Oh, they were great. Maybe the Gibeonites then walked away. When they got over the crest of the hill, they were like, yes, woohoo, high-fiving each other. This is awesome. We totally fooled them. Ha, 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 ha. This is great. Thank you, great. This is awesome. But you know what the most telling part is? It says 
that Joshua, the men of Israel, looked at their crumbly bread, were totally fooled by it all, but they did not ask counsel from Yahweh. They did not ask the Lord what he thought. They had this thing called the Urim and the Thummim. It's really hard to say, but basically it was a way God would communicate his will through the priest to the people. It was a way to cast lots so they could work out what God's decision was. But guess what? Joshua never consulted God. He never asked what he wanted. Instead, he went with his own decision and I don't know why. It doesn't say why. I think Joshua probably got a little ahead of himself, you know? Got a little filled with pride in success at AI. They just rooted out Aiken's sin. They'd been successful in the Battle of Jericho. Clearly, God is on their side. <sighs> I can make this decision. These people clearly are from a distant country. Don't worry. We will not hurt you. And it says they didn't consult God. They never asked him once. And I want to encourage you, or to ask you, do you ask God before making a major decision? Do you honestly seek his will and seek his face and pray and pray and fast and, and say, Lord, I want your will. What do you want me to do? I often pray when I come to a big decision and I'm seeking the Lord's face, I say, Lord, please make your will so clear I can't miss it. You've got to ask God in these big major decisions. But many of us, we just go with our own lusts or our own desires or our own intelligence, or we think we can get by without God just fine. And I want to encourage you, we can't. Because eventually, it doesn't say how, but the Jewish people, after three days they found out that these men that they just made a covenant with, they were the Gibeonites who lived right up the road. And it says that the people of Israel began to grumble. And they were mad at the leaders of the congregation, that the, the, the leaders of Israel that had made this covenant. And the people of Israel were like, I can't believe those idiots were fooled. I can't believe those idiots were fooled. I think part of it is they saw what the Gibeonites had. They saw maybe the great jewelry and animals and all their stuff. And they were like, I want that. Now I can't have it. And it says they grumbled and they mumbled. And a couple of them thought, you know what? They're the inhabitants of the land. They lied to us. They lied to us. The Gibeonites do not deserve to live. Yeah, yeah. Let's just kill them anyway. All right, all right. But Joshua said, no, can't. You know why we can't? Because we made a sacred covenant between our God and them. And if we break that covenant, we are going to have the wrath of God upon us. We can't break this covenant. And I think Joshua regretted. 
What was I thinking? Why didn't I consult the Lord? I can't believe I was fooled like this. This was such a stupid decision. I should have asked God's direction. I should have, but it's too late. We can't go back on it now. We made the covenant between Yahweh and them. We have to keep that promise or we risk the wrath of God coming down upon us. And it's true. To show the severity of the reality of that, many years later, if you look at 2 Samuel chapter 21, many years later, that covenant was broken by Saul. Saul killed some of the Gibeonites. He went exactly against the covenant made hundreds of years earlier under Joshua. But after Saul, during the reign of King David, David noticed there was a famine in the land and he sought the Lord's face and asked him, what is wrong? Why are we having this, this famine? And God said to him, it's because there is blood guilt in your hands because Saul broke the covenant by killing some of the Gibeonites. And so David went to the Gibeonites and said, hey, how can we make this right? What do you want us to do? Because I want God's favor again. We've got to stop this. And the Gibeonites said, listen, we want seven of Saul's sons to be given to us so that we may hang them and execute them before the Lord. Basically, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You killed our people. We want seven of your sons so that we may execute them. So it's a sad story, but David took seven of Saul's sons and gave them to the Gibeonites and they executed them. And that covenant was renewed and that covenant was made right. But what a heavy price to pay. I can't imagine the grief of those mothers. I can't imagine the, the loss of future in life. That is such a tragic story. But that shows the reality of this covenant-keeping God. He's made a covenant with this Gibeonites, and he's going to keep it. And Joshua understood the weight of that, and he said, we cannot risk the wrath of God coming upon us. And so he said, no, we will keep this covenant. Whether it was rightly made or not, it now stands, and we are going to keep it. Thank you for listening to Baldhead Bible Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week.